Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, whenever you are, to the Complete Center's Guide. My name is Tyler Fowler. I am your host. And with me today, we have my really, 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 really good friend, man. We go back a long, long, long way. I have Alex Benefield with me. He's actually the pastor over at Mount Olive General Baptist Church in Pike County, Indiana. So, Alex, if you got any hate mail, this is where they're going to... Um, they're going to send it to you from. So sorry about that. But anyway, so we have a really, uh, I'm joking, obviously. I feel but like we Christian have, hate mail should be a, uh, <laughs> it should be an oxymoron. I mean, I get enough of it. it no, should. it's not, but it should be an oxymoron. <laughs> it should be an oxymoron. Exactly. But, but we have a really good show lined up for you guys today. So basically what happened, we haven't, well, by the time this airs, I guess we will have it out, but we have a show that we did last week with JD Martin again, and we were talking about perseverance of the saints. We actually had an episode, um, before that talking about, uh, total depravity and unconditional election. So we're kind of hitting all of the doctrines of grace that reformed, um, people, you know, hold very, very dearly. And um, so basically what we have today is we had the show on total depravity and unconditional election. We had the show on perseverance of the saints. Now, today, we're going to continue our discussion on perseverance of the saints with my buddy Alex. But before that, if you guys have not checked out those other two or any other shows that you guys haven't uh, listened to, we have everything over at www.completecenters.com, plural, completecenters.com. You can email me if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to hear a topic um, discussed on the show. You can email me at completecenter, okay, singular, completecenter at gmail.com. Also, make sure you check us out over at www.patreon.com forward slash completecenter. Um, so that is the Complete Sinners Guide. Uh, so basically what we are going to discuss today, my... My, my first, I I have to say, starting out, um, this is a in-house discussion. I, I I honor my brother Alex a, as a brother in Christ, and, and I see him as that. And the thing that unites us is our faith in Jesus Christ. We are going to be talking about how that works in in, in reference to once a person is justified, once a person is sanctified, I use these terms on the show all the time, justification, just real quick, um, meaning that an instantaneous thing, an instantaneous justification, uh, a, a declaration of righteousness is pronounced at a moment in time, and that happens whenever someone believes. And what the reform position says is that once a person believes, once a person who has freely exercised faith in Christ, God-given faith, that they will continue to persevere for the rest of their life in sanctification through trials and tribulations in the deepest, darkest parts of a Christian's life. They can have confidence and they will persevere through those trials and tribulations because God never fails in his mission. And that's the Reformed perspective on it. We believe that, it, that God isn't just saving people randomly for no reason, what would be called either arbitrary or purposeless, right? We do not believe that God saves people without a purpose. We believe that whenever God saves someone, right, an individual— that the goal of that ultimate salvation or the ultimate goal of salvation is to make 
that person more like Christ. We see these concepts in Romans eight twenty eight and uh, through thirty. God causing all things to work together for good for a very specific people, and those people, according to the Bible, are for those who love God, right? And we would say that we love God. Why? Because God first loved us and gave Himself for us, as the Bible states. I do want to, uh, and again, that those people will continue to persevere throughout their entire life. They will continue to be believing in Christ, because what we don't say is that I want, in talking to people, and this is practical, in talking to people about their faith and about salvation, I'm not asking and I'm not looking for you know, to understand if a person has believed in Christ at a, at a time in the, the past. No, no, no. I'm passionate about right now. I want to know, are you believing right now? Because as we know that John 3.16 states, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and everyone believing this is a present participle, that means it, it's a continuous aspect. It's a continuous state of belief is what John 3.16 is referring to. And all those who are in that continuous state of belief, starting at a moment in time, all the way up to their, their life, those people have eternal life. I believe now as a Christian, as my faith is in Christ, I believe that I am truly saved now and am continuing to be saved by God and will ultimately be saved in the sense of being extrapolated from sinless uh, from sin, getting rid of all sin and glorification that's promised in Romans chapter eight verses thirty. It says that for those whom God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And there's a reason there. I th- I love the I love how Paul puts that. He says that there is a reason that God has foreknown and predestined a certain people, and that that purpose is to be made in the image of Christ. And he also says, for those whom are uh, for those whom were predestined, were also called. Those whom are called are also justified, and those whom are justified are also glorified. Paul uses the past tense of glorification for something that hasn't even happened yet. How can he do that? The, the answer is, is that Paul was so certain in God's ability to save and God's ability to bring about this accomplished purpose to, be, to make people in the image of Christ. He was so confident that he used the past tense of a word that hasn't even happened yet. Paul's confident, and that's the, that's the point of the message. I want to read John 10. And then here in about five minutes, I'm going to give the mic to Alex. And what we're going to do is basically um, I'm explaining my position. He will explain his. And then we're just going to have about 45 minutes, um, maybe longer, of you know just open discussion. Um, so for those who are just tuning in right now, um, if you have your Bibles, flip on over to John 10. And we will start in the very first uh, verse. He, uh, John writes... <clears throat> Truly, and I'm using the ESV uh, on this. So, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. This is individual, in, in this parable, this is individual calling here. 
He says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, not all, but all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying with them. So we have a parable, and now we're going to have the explanation of the parable. So in verse 7, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Not might be, not could be. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and not only have life, but have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherds lay down the good shepherd lays down his life for who? Not the world, but the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just, this, now uh, to pause just real quick, this is not a general head knowledge, okay? This is a relationship. I've talked to Alex, who is General Baptist, and my old pastor, who is General Baptist, and they are very, very big in a relationship with Jesus, and I wholeheartedly commend them for that. I believe that a relationship with Jesus is absolutely necessary, and that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus knows every single person who walked on the face of the earth. Everybody. God knows everything, right? So he knows this is a different kind of knowing, so to say. This is a relationship. This is personal. Like Adam knew Eve in an intimate way. God knows us and his own in an intimate way. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, who we would say is Gentiles. He's talking to Jewish people here. These are Gentiles. He says, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, and, uh, I'm sorry, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. We, we, we see that in this verse, Jesus is saying that those who believe, the sheep, that he gives not only life, but abundant, eternal life to those who believe. That is the sheep, okay? Now, we might, in the last two minutes that I have, we might hear today, that, and I don't know this, but that everyone is God's sheep. I do not believe that for one very specific reason. It happened in verse uh, chapter 10, verse 26. Jesus says to uh, the Pharisees, they were talking to him. The, the context is... Um, they were saying, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? They were referencing to Jesus and saying, the Pharisees were saying, he has a demon in him. He's possessed by evil. He's not the Messiah. And the people are saying, he, a demon? What are you talking about? Can the demon open the eyes of the blind? 
and it happens in verse 22. It says, at the time, this is a new context, at the time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnades of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. This is the smoking gun, if you could say. He says, but you, you Pharisees, you do not believe because, and he gives the reason why, you are not among my sheep. The, Refor- the Reformation, the reform position states that if you are Jesus' sheep, as in John 6 is stated, that he will pick you up. He will guide you. He will guard you. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And if we would rely on our own, our own whatever, to be able to persevere us, ultimately the response from the ref- the reform position is, if that is the case, then it's ultimately up to man to choose his salvation or to reject it. We're saying that if it was ultimately up to us to not only choose our, per- our, our salvation, but to also persevere, that every single person would fall short. And that, uh, Alex, I'm going to bring you on now, buddy. If you would like to just kind of introduce who you are, um, what, uh, you, what, what you believe exactly about this subject, and let's, I mean, let, let, you know, let's keep about 10 minutes, um, and let's uh, just have some open discussion, dude. I'll let you have it for 10 minutes, man. She's all okay. yours. Uh, first of all, <laughs> thanks, man, for having me on here. Um, to kind of um, outline my beliefs, okay, um, the, the long and short of it in a time frame that I have, um, I, I believe that, it, you know, first of all, as, as Tyler said, you know, we all are um, brothers and sisters in Christ. Like the, the little denominational differences, um, you know, is not what our salvation is hinged on. Um, you know, it's faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And uh, the thing of that is what we're discussing today um, do I personally believe that this has anything to do um, with, you know, whether you believe my standpoint or believe Tyler's standpoint, or if you have another standpoint on the same issue, um, does that mean that you're going to hell or, or uh, anything like that? No, I, I don't believe that. It all boils down to your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But um, for my uh, personal beliefs, I believe that Christ died for all. Um, I do not believe that it was um, limited to some I believe that he died for all of us, um, and yet, um, and he he, want, he wants that relationship aspect with us. Uh, but I also believe that we can, um, through our own free will, um, walk away from that love um, if we have received that love. The reason I say that um, is because of my own personal uh, story, and I'm not going to get into my testimony because it would take way too long. Uh, but uh, whenever I was about uh, 19. You know, I was very um, involved in the church. I led worship in the church. I led youth group in the church. Um, I actually worked with a pastor one-on-one, and he was just pouring into me daily. And I had a true relationship with God. Um, It's the first time in my life. I grew up in church, but that was the first time in my life I honestly had a relationship with God and, you know, talked to him on a daily, uh, you know, and committed my life to him um, and uh, trusted in Jesus Christ. Uh, But through... Trials and tribulations after that, um, some of them I did persevere, and then after a while I just kind of went away from it. I walked away and I thought, you know what, this is stupid. 
I don't want to do this anymore. I want to sow my oats, if you will, that kind of thing. And uh, I went away. And now, um, you know, I've I've come back and, you know, I, I am on fire for God um, and, and do my, you know, I've rededicated my life. And, um, you know, I, I have that relationship back with him. But do I believe that in that moment between my um, relationship with him at first and my relationship that I have with him now, in that moment, do I believe if I was to die, would I have went to heaven? No, I do not believe that. I believe that if I was to die in that moment, um, I would have gone to hell. Now, it is because of God's grace that I didn't die in those moments, because I had a lot of stupid moments that should have killed me, and it didn't. Um, but it was because of God's grace, because he does love me. Uh, but uh, it all falls down on that relationship aspect. You know, God wants a relationship with us. Um, he chose all of us, but it's uh, and what I was discussing with Tyler is it's up to us to choose Him. Um, it's uh, it's not a forced relationship. He does seek after us with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's like the parable with the ninety nine and the one. We, he goes after the lost sheep uh, continuously through the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit. But it is up to us on how we respond to that, um, and whether we accept uh, the gospel, we accept Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, or we reject it. And and we know what the Bible says that if we reject, you know what our um, outcome is going to be. And uh, with that being said, you know I, I just don't. Uh, I don't believe that. Um, you know, it's it's a forced thing in our salvation that God forces us, um, that we have undeniable grace where we can't say no, that type of thing. I think it's on us. Um, and with that, even after the relationship begins, um, it's just like any marriage because we know that human marriages are um, a reflection of God's marriage with his church, um, you know, how he loves us. And that's what they're meant to be. That's what we are meant to model our human marriages off of is is that relationship, that love, that sacrificial love. The uh, thing of it is, is uh, as we all know, uh, divorces are real, and um, you know I, I believe the same thing can happen. Um, and it does not take two to make a divorce. Um, you know, it's just it's just if one party says, you know what, I'm I'm done, um, then you know they they split the tie there and they they walk away. Now I I've seen couples that remarry years later. And that's kind of what I'm saying with this is um, that's how our relationship with God works. Does he want a divorce? Absolutely not. Does he believe that, you know, that's, that's not what he wants. He wants a relationship with us, but he will not force us into that. That is on our own free will. He wants us to love him back. Um, you know, and Tyler and I got to, we've talked for like four hours, literally, on this very subject and uh, just kind of going back and forth. So it's, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I stand with things. Um, I don't know what... Um, what else to say, Tyler, to be honest with you? I don't know um, where you want to go with it because we've just talked about so much not on the air. Right, and I we have. We, we have talked a, a lot. So a lot of this, I mean, really is just going to be a repetition of what's already been said. Um, I do... Uh, I want to ask you a question, so I guess we can just you know dive into you know let's have just have an open discussion, man, like we've been doing. Um, okay. So I guess I guess to start out, then my question to you would be: Do you need me to clarify any more um, about anything else that I've said? No, I don't believe so. Okay. So, 
So what? So then, I guess to start. So let me let me pose a question by setting setting it up first. All right, as okay. the the Reformed tradition, and we believe that the Bible teaches that God has uh, that God the Father, the Triune God. This is not just a you know a Father or a Son or a Holy Spirit. Salvation is not just one of those. They're not you know all is in charge of salvation at that point. We have the Father. We see in Ephesians one electing and predestining a people. Um, before the foundations of the world, so before anyone ever existed, God had a relationship, so to say, with these people um, who didn't exist yet. I don't know exactly how that works, but it's clear from the text these this foreknowledge that Romans 8.29 speaks about is not just a simple head knowledge, like God didn't know about people. He knew people. Um, so, so my question is then... Um, we believe that God knew these people, that Jesus then in return dies for these people, and then in return, whenever Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit sanctifies these same people, uh, making them more like Christ. So my question to you would be, if do you believe that God has predestined a people before the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of Christ? Um, certain people or all people? Certain people. Because oh, so let me ask you this then: Do you believe that all people um, are made in the image of Christ? Yes. So people in hell will be ultimately made like Christ, as sinless and perfect. No. Okay. So I yeah. So go ahead. So with the people in hell, like I said, we are all made in the image of Christ. We know that. Um, So do you mean made in the image of God? Huh? Do you mean made in the image of God, the Imago Dei? Well, because I would I would agree that people that because Genesis says that God created people in his that God created man in his image, right? Right. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, that's what I'm referring to. Okay. Okay, we're talking about two different things then. Okay. Okay. So so what do you, what's your okay, where are you coming from? So, so my my question is then I would say that, you know, according to Romans, let me just pull it up real quick. Um, Romans 8, and if you got your Bible, Romans 8, 29, and 30. Uh, what version are you using, just out of curiosity? I got an ESV and an NIV. Okay. Okay, cool. I got the ESV. So it says, in Romans eight twenty nine, it says, for those, these are people, for those whom he foreknew, God, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son. My question is, do you believe that all people, whether they are in heaven or in he- are in Hades right now, or people on the earth, all people are going to be made in this image of Jesus? No. Okay. Um, not Not the ones who have gone to hell, no. Okay, but right. I, I would that agree he with that. The same chance for those who are in hell, if that makes sense. So that like if, okay, so they, the, they have the same they have the same opportunity that we all do. And okay, and I'm so not the, trying to limit limit the uh, the power of God because yes, God can do all things, but we also know that God, um, you know, gives us it's 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 on how we respond to that. And so um, the ones who are in hell, d- does God love them, and, and did he, um, you know, know them? A- absolutely. You know, he, um, he loves all, 
you know, does God love to... does God love the people in heaven the same way that he loves the people in hell? No, and we see that in Revelation where he says, Be gone from me, for I never knew you. Um, and we see where he, he spews them from their mouth. Matthew? Because they made, they made their choice. Okay, right. So he says, he, he, I never knew you. Right, right. So my question is, what, how do you interpret Romans 8.29? It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. There's a people whom God knew before the foundation of the world that he did something called predestination. He predestined these people. Not everyone. We agree that not everyone is made into the image of a Son. So we would, would it therefore then mean that we agree that God has set aside people? To be conformed to the image of the sun. Made into the image of the sun while on earth. So people in, in hell are made into Jesus' image. What? People who go to hell are made in the image of Jesus. No, what I'm saying is that they all have the same opportunity. Um, so, okay, no, Romans no, no. eight twenty nine. For those God foreknew, mm-hmm. He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Okay, what right. does that mean? to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might right. be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Right. You know, so, so conformed to the likeness of his son. Does your translation say image? Or does it say yeah, it likeness? Does. But like, it, it says image, but likeness okay. is the same thing. Okay, so what I am saying is, is that we all have the opportunity to be uh, to to he he knew all of this like and and man so I you believe I so you believe that foreknow there just means a head knowledge no okay no like he he knew you and had a relationship with you before you were born okay and that's everyone correct yeah so then did he I, also even people who are in hell yes. Okay, so he foreknew those people in hell, but those people in hell are not made in Jesus' likeness. What we would say is, what does it mean to be made in Jesus' likeness would be sinless, um, perfect. We're going to have a glorified body one day. We're going to inherit the same things that Jesus inherits, and we know that not everybody does that. And and this does have to do with perseverance of the saints. I'm just trying to get a foundation first. Um, so that's that's the point that I'm making is that in this verse I interpret it as that there's a certain people God knows everybody yes but this foreknowledge here that for those whom God foreknew or for those whom he foreknew it's not just a merely oh God knows these people exist you know what I'm saying and to say that you would have to see that there's a break then because these same people that he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And those same people he also justified. So my question to you then, Alex, as a saved Christian, are you justified before God? I take take the side on this verse, and and I actually looked into my commentary here. Um, uh, Paul here refers to the fact that in eternity past God... In eternity past, God knew those who, by faith, would become his people. Yes, yes, exactly. So right, I agree. So, oranges and apples again? I don't think so, because, so, would you say that God looked throughout the corridors of history and saw who would accept him? 
Yeah, yeah. God, God is okay. knowing. He knows exactly who's gonna who's gonna accept him. Yeah. Okay. Finally, I get what. But you're he didn't. Okay, but he but he didn't have to look and see who was going to accept him. That would imply that God didn't know who would accept him beforehand, right? No, he he is all knowing. He knew from the beginning and the end. Yeah. So then, yeah, this foreknowledge would have to mean something different. Right. So so he foreknew who was going to, you know, like I said, like like we was talking on the phone earlier, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have this Holy Spirit. He's on the he's on the uh, omnipresent. Okay. And yes. um, he's, he's everywhere. Right, right. Okay, so he knows. Um, so you take God in the beginning. He knows from the beginning to the end who is going to be saved and who is not. But okay. my my thing is is that he is not deciding that. Okay, I, he does to an extent. But what I am saying is is that he offers his he offered his son freely for all. Okay. Period. So what I am saying is he knows before the end of our life whether we're going to go to heaven or hell. But ultimately the decision he leaves in our hands, whether we accept or we deny. Okay. Okay. How, okay, so, okay, I got you. So in John 10, the verse that I read, it says that, um, do, do you believe that all people are Jesus' sheep? Uh, to an extent. It, it, in a salvific it, it kinda, sense? I mean, we're all born into a sinful nature. Yes. You know, we, we are all born into a sinful nature. Um, we know that. Okay, now, to be Jesus' sheep, uh, it kind of depends on how you want to interpret that verse, and there's other verses to back this up, but... So, um, you are what I would say then, since since the context of the verse is salvific, right, we, will, we, we would both agree... Would you agree that John 10 is about salvation? Yeah. Okay, so then, in the sense that people are sheep in the sense that they are, that Jesus is their shepherd, that they are saved. In the sense that Jesus is the sheep, what? So, okay, so, are is everybody in the world, because you said that Jesus died for all, period, right? That's your quote. Right. Right. And I'm saying that Jesus died for the sheep. That's what John 10 says. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. So then, are you implying that every single person Jesus died for? Yeah. I think that is yes. Okay, so you would say that all are Jesus' sheep? Yes. Okay, so then how do you interpret... Um, so Okay, good. So my question is then in John 10, verse 26, how do you interpret these words? But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. They had a choice they could make. Right, but... And, and they're not believing, right? They're choosing to not believe, right? Yeah. And then Jesus gives the reason why they are choosing to not believe. He says the reason is because, he says, you are not among my sheep. That's the reason they don't believe. Right. So, so we're, get, we're getting hung up on stuff here. So let me, let me like, try to clear some stuff up because okay. I'm not okay. trying to sidestep and I'm not trying to, um, you know... Uh, None of that. So let me let me clear some. No, 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 no. Of course not. First mm-hmm. of all, I believe that Christ died for all. Period. I believe that He has a love from us from birth. Okay. Okay. Second of all, as far as sheep goes, man, I don't know. 
I, I okay. honestly don't know. I don't have the answers okay. to everything because I'm not God. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe one day God will uh, reveal that to me, but he hasn't yet. But as far as sheep goes, my interpretation of that, okay, would be that those who are not in his flock, okay, so if we are not adopted um, in as children of God. Now, whether that be um, because we have denied or whether that be because, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, like, we are not in that. So what he is saying in there is because you are not of my sheep, so you haven't, um, he is the shepherd, okay? Shepherd leads his sheep. Sheep are stupid. Yep. Okay, Agreed. we know that. So, <laughs> Agreed. And um, so he's he's our leader, and so what he is saying is you're not following me. You know what I'm saying? So, But that has okay. nothing to do with um, who he offered to be a sheep. Okay, but... But here's the thing, okay, and I'm not I'm not trying to get really theological, you know what I'm saying? Because this yeah. I don't I mean I personally and I'm not trying to like so the, like I said from the very beginning, you know I I love you, dude. You're a brother in Christ to me. But as a pastor, you know what I'm saying? That right. you know you're going to be responsible for the way you teach your people, right? And so Absolutely. here's what I'm trying to do, right? And, and you and, and and I'm the same way for everyone who's listening right now, right? Like, we and me, I'm responsible for what these people hear. I'm going to be held accountable for the words that come out of my mouth. So what I'm simply asking you to do is see here that there is, and I think it's rather obvious. I could be wrong on that, you know, but but, I'm, but I, I see here in verse 26, I'm just simply asking that Jesus made a parable, and, he, and, and the parable is about salvation. He says that, uh, let's see here, uh... Let's see. He, Jesus said in verse 7, he says, Truly, truly, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but sheep did not listen to them. Okay, so truly, people who were truly trusting did not follow these false people, whoever they were. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That means that this verse is talking about salvation. He says, right. he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. And then he says that these the only people who are saved are these sheep, right? And then in the very next paragraph, he says to these Pharisees, you're not my sheep. You're not going to be saved. I didn't die for you, basically. He said, you don't believe. He said, because you're not my sheep. You know, it's, it is a parable, and that does make it you know, somewhat difficult to understand. But I think it's, I mean, obvious. You can take more time to read it later if, if need be, but I would just say to... Okay. So I Definitely. am the shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father right. knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves right. me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes right. it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from mm -hmm. my Father. Mm-hmm. So what are, what what are we getting hung up on here? So Jesus so basically shepherd, and he says, the, the, he says I know my sheep. And is my he sheep everyone's shepherd? That, that's the uh, that's the question I'm asking. Does whenever he says whenever you just said he's our shepherd, who is our? Is that the world or is that Christians? Those who have accepted and believed in him. Okay, agreed, 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 wholeheartedly. Okay, so now if you go down to verse 26, he says. But you don't believe. You would say that believing is part of salvation, right? You have to believe in Jesus to be saved, right? Absolutely. But okay. look at so who he's, he's talking to. 
Right, the, the Pharisees. Right. 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 And they They're horrible. Heard, they they had heard yeah. and they had made their decision. They didn't they didn't right. put their faith and that's what I'm saying. Right. Right. And and, they and so okay. Opportunity everybody else has. Okay, if they did they did, but the point that I'm making is that Jesus gives the reason that they don't believe. He that's fine if they if it, say okay for the sake of argument say they did have the same opportunity it's irrelevant because Jesus says whether you used your free will or not you're disbelieving it, it, it's it doesn't matter he says right. you yeah, are in a that. state of unbelief and he says the reason you are you are the reason you are in a state of unbelief is because you're not like the people that I'm dying for you're not like these sheep that I've been talking about this entire time the ones that who have faith in me you're not like these people therefore you don't they believe were, they were blatantly they were blatantly like going out of their way and and denying him to they kill were Jesus. Uh, no they yes. weren't like them but they they could have been no that's what i'm saying they they could have been. Okay. They chose not to. Okay. I don't think so because I mean, and, and we can just agree to disagree on that because, like I said, I think Jesus gives the reason why they don't believe. He says because you're not mine. That and I think that I really because they, because they okay. weren't in that moment. They they weren't in that moment. It, not because they they weren't his from would, the beginning. Like would they be? Let mine. me. Would you? Agree? Let me ask you this. Oh yeah, I would. I would agree with that. Okay, and all things are created to glorify Him. Would you agree? Uh, does Satan glorify God? In ways, absolutely. Okay. Because for the person who resists Satan's temptations, is God not glorified in those moments? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sure. So, mm-hmm. all of God's creation, he, he loves, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, all, all of God's, let me, let me reword that before that gets twisted on me. All of, No, I'm not trying to twist nothing. I'm just no, I clarifying. Know, I know, but these people, these Pharisees that we're talking about in, in John 10, yeah. okay, God loved them too. Man, he, he didn't want them to go to hell. He didn't want, if they wanted to accept, they had the opportunity to accept. But what he is saying here is because they didn't and because they kept going on, I mean, they knew what Jesus was talking about. They knew what his followers were all about, and it was a threat to their livelihood. It was a threat to everything they taught, and they hated that. Yeah, But if they would have, if, if they would have, conformed, you know, if they would have um, changed, repented, uh, whatever you want to call it, and, and realized believed. what they were doing, absolutely. But I believe would believed be a good word there? Huh? If they would have believed? Is that what you're saying, if, you, if they would have believed? Yeah. Yeah, I agree, but like I said, Jesus gave the reason why they didn't, and he said... That they're that be, it's because you're not mine. That's why you don't believe. But let's move on. Um, we, we're running. We're running out of time. <laughs> um, yeah. And you haven't even asked. Me, let's just stop real quick, bro. Let's switch it up. You, ask me some questions if you want. I know you got some. Okay. Well. Right. Um, so with this, okay. So I I kind of loaded up. One of my defenses on this, okay. Let me turn to it. Um, is is Revelation two? Okay. And um, so, so to read Revelation two, and I actually don't have my ESV uh, with me. It's actually over at my house. Um, so I'm I'm going to be reading at the NIV. But if you would rather read Revelation two at the ESV, that's fine with me too. No, I uh, I like them both. What okay, verse so are you going to? Uh, we're going to go one through uh, seven. So it okay. says uh, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write these are the words. 
of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your mm-hmm. perseverance. Okay, so you mm-hmm. were talking about how perseverance is a gift of God. And, and yeah, I would I agree with that, that yes. but it's a gift, and where we differ is, I would, I would say it was a gift offered to everyone. Um, seven golden they just don't accept it. Deeds. Huh? They just don't accept it, right? Right. Um, okay. Or they don't exercise it. I know your deeds, okay. your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Okay, so these are people that have persevered, man. This is a church that yeah. has persevered. Uh, they've done everything Agreed. that um, you know, you're, you're talking about. But yet, here he says in verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Mm-hmm. You have forsaken your first love. They got wrapped up in so much other stuff. Remember the height from which you yeah. have fallen. Repent. So how uh-huh. could they have fallen if they were first in love? Does it say how? Does it say how? Did the, the, let me ask you this: Does it say because it sounds like you're equating fallen from grace, which is found in Hebrews, to the same that it's? It sounds like you're saying that these people have fallen from grace. Is that the assumption? Uh, yeah. And going on to verse seven, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, uh-huh. I will give uh-huh. the right to eat from the tree of life, which is okay. in the paradise so, of God. So if if so verse question, four doesn't sum it up, verse seven can. Okay, so the question but, is what? Question is what what? Like what do you mean? <laughs> what's your question? That's all I mean. You read verses, but what what's the question? No, that's my standpoint, man, on, on things. So okay. I, I really don't have any questions. I, I don't um Okay. I don't so let's okay, so let me all right, so let me do this then. You said that repent, right? Like that's what they need to do, right? Right. Right, I mean, I'm, I'm just clarifying. Right. Who? Um, so, okay. So, if you don't have any questions, I, I'll ask one. Um, right. Who is? Who comes up with repentance? It, let me let me rephrase it. Is repentance something that humans can produce on their own in some way? Like, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to say repentance is tangible or, or can be touched. You know, it's not physical or material. But what I am right. saying is that repentance is something, right? right. And, and we and no, express repentance by our works. Right. Humans are not born with the, the spirit of repentance that's a, that is okay. from the Holy Spirit. But back to what okay. I was saying with the presence of the, uh-huh. of the you know, where God's everywhere— that spirit chases after all of us, man. Okay, it chases so, after all. So of us. hold on. Okay, so let me ask you this then: repentance. Let's go back to that. Repentance okay. is a change of mind, right? Who okay. grants a deep repentance? Sorrow or regret? Yeah, yeah, a deep sorrow. That I, I agree. That definitely comes with it. I have a sorrow the way that I used to act toward God, right? I, I spit in his face, bro. Like it's horrible. And so I've yeah. repented. I've changed the way I thought about him and realized, oh my gosh, he actually died for my sins. You know, I need to worship him as King and Lord of Lords. Right. So, so, so I agree. But what I'm saying is, is that repentance, is that something that I just came up with and was like one day I'm like, oh man, you know, I just screwed up so bad. Like I, I need God now. Did I do that? Or does oh, repentance. I'm your first breath. From the time of your first breath to your last breath, God is chasing after you because He wants that relationship. And He, Does will, God, his, he d- will reveal Himself through His Spirit, through others. Uh-huh. Okay, to everyone. And, to everyone, yeah. And that, that has ever lived. 
huh? That has ever lived. In in this in this phase, okay. Now we're in this dispensation. dispensation. Yeah, yeah, dispensation. Yeah. Okay, and in we the are state of grace. Right. In the state of, in the mm-hmm. state of grace, yes, he is he is mm-hmm. coming after everyone, and anyway, with that, okay, from your first breath to your last breath, he is okay. seeking a relationship with you. It's a continual seeking. That's why the Bible says, for those who seek him will find him. You see, we have to seek back. It's not just him seeking us. We have to seek back. So you're telling me that if you never saw it, then he could just seek you? Then why would the Bible say that? For those Here's the who thing. Seek, so this... Go ahead. Those, those who seek will find. So what I'm saying is is that if, we, if he seeks us, okay, and then we seek why? back, we, re, we respond mm-hmm. to that, then that's whenever salvation comes, but the, comes. But the point that I'm making, Alex, is this, is that I don't believe a person will seek God. That's what I'm saying. The Bible also says that no one seeks for God in Romans 3, right? So no one right. seeks for God. No, not one. So I don't believe people are just waking up one day and say, I'm going to seek God today. I don't believe that because No, I don't I, believe I see, that either. That's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit enacts upon them. Okay, so without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for someone to repent, right, and believe. Right. Okay, right. so, but but if you're saying then that the Holy Spirit does that with everyone, right, and the Holy Spirit's goal is to get these people saved and they're rejecting him, it almost sounds like you're saying that the will of man thwarted the will of God at that point. No. what That's the way... That's the way God designed a relationship. It's, it's, so is the will of God... So, okay, so is the marriage... Let me, let me throw this out here to you, okay? You, you got married to your wife, correct? Yes, and, and I, I married did. my wife. Okay. I chose what my wife, too. What would happen if I forced her, like I gave her some magic potion, and I forced her to fall in love with me? <laughs> would that be a, a relationship? Like, how, how much of a relationship would that I would be? say... You know, I'll put it like this. I'll put it like this. If you changed her will to love you rather than love me, then she would be freely loving you. Yes. No, what I'm saying is you, before you, I'm not putting me in the equation. I'm saying you and your wife, if you gave her some magic potion to force her into loving you. I thought you said if you gave my wife magic potion. Okay, so, okay, so here's the thing. If I I change... Can I jump in here for a second, Tyler? Uh, yeah, let me let me answer the question real quick, and then you can. So the here's here's the thing. If I changed my wife's will somehow, I don't think that I can do that. But if I changed my wife's will and I made right. her love me willingly, then yes, she right. would be freely exercising her will to love me. Okay, so l- l- I guess here's here's what I was going to say. To me, it almost sounds like think of a tape recorder, right? If I took a tape recorder and I record on it and mm-hmm. say, "I love you, Noah." And then I play it back. Is the tape recorder love me, or is that me forcing Absolutely. the forcing the? Tape I don't know. It, but do you, do you see it what I'm depends. saying? Like, it, 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 to, We're to, not robots, though. Well, but we are to a certain degree, right? Like if you're if you're if God doesn't allow us no, no. for if God doesn't allow us to choose for Bro. ourselves free will, then this is it the is point. Robot. This is the point. This is the point that I'm making, though, guys. You, I don't think you get what I'm saying at this point. I'm saying that we choose freely every one of us and we can evidence that by all of us didn't have faith in christ at one time but what i'm saying is is that left to our own 
humans will freely choose to rebel against God. That's the point that I'm making. That's the assumption. That's my presupposition that every single person left on their own without Mm -hmm. intervention from God would choose hell willingly. But we don't. We're not left on our own, though. That's that's my point. But some people are. Do you not agree that some people are given over to their sins? That's what Romans 1 says. I I agree that some people choose to reject God. I don't believe that the Holy Spirit—I don't believe that the Holy Spirit does not at least make an attempt to act on everyone's life. Do you believe that God also gives people over to their sins? That's what I'm asking. Do I believe that God lets people choose their sins over him? Yes. Okay, so he gives them up. somebody into sin. No, I don't either, but God gives them up at that point. It's impossible for that person to come back to Jesus at that point, right? The moment it is impossible for somebody to come back to Jesus is in their last breath. Then how do you, then how, in the last minutes that we have, we're going quick here, guys. So we're not talking over each other. So we're going quick because we don't have very much time left. But my question then would be Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. If you're going to say that, then you have to make the assumption that those who go away, the Bible says it is impossible for those people to come back. That's biblical. Impossible has meaning, and that's what it means. Impossible. So it's impossible for those people to come back. My question is then, how do you how do you interpret that? Where is if that? they walk Hebrews away, what? it's impossible, huh? Hebrews what? So okay. Hebrews well, six four through to, six. Um, uh, hang on, where's it at? Um, how much time do we got, Noah? We're we're down to six minutes thirty seconds. That's what I thought. Okay. So so go to John fifteen. Uh huh. So uh, six through ten. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, mm-hmm. thrown into the fire, yep. and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you hear uh, that you bear much fruit. Okay. Now let me skip off of this one because that one's not really important. Uh, the prodigal son. Okay. Well, the prodigal okay. son yep. comes back. Um, okay, how would you yep. how would you interpret that? I would say that the Holy Spirit, the whenever whenever the light bulb came on and the whole and, and the and the prodigal son like went away, right? Um, he light bulb clicked on. You realized he was screwing up. I would say I, don't, I personally I don't think that the prodigal son is a uh, a parable about strictly salvation. It's in there, but I don't believe that it's a parable strictly about salvation. Um, but for what I would say then to that is that, you know, if that's how you're referencing it, whenever the light bulb clicked on, that would be the moment of regeneration. Um, I think a better uh, w- uh, example would be whenever Lazarus was in the tomb and Lazarus was dead because the, the Bible describes us as dead in our trespasses and sins and this is what me and Alex was talking about earlier I believe that a better example maybe not necessarily directly but indirectly stating that whenever Jesus showed up to the tomb that Lazarus was dead and it was a picture of every single person ever and that person was dead period in the subject there was no life there was nothing just a dead rotting corpse and jesus said the words lazarus come forth if your faith is in christ what i'm saying is that jesus has done that to you and you he changed your will and you responded freely positively to christ that's what i'm saying right but we can we can go away and and through the grace and of God, I would you're, say you're limiting I, with, with that being I, said you're you're limiting grace. No, because and, I would agree with the apostle John and say those who went out from us. Why did they go out from us? Because they were never, never of us. Never. 
Yeah, but then you have... Or not. It says not of us. Right, Mm -hmm. but you have all of these others... uh, Okay, uh, um, so uh, let me get some... Okay, Galatians 5, 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen Mm -hmm. away from grace. So they were in grace and they fell away. Uh, No, 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 no. Who are these people? They're seeking to be, what does the verse say? Those who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. I'm not seeking to be justified by law. They missed the point. That's what he's saying. They missed the Uh point of grace. So they were never saved. By the law, not of Christ. Right. 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 Right, right. Um, and then, mm-hmm. um, in the final moments that we got, Alex, I got one more verse for you, if you would, if you would be so kind right. to interpret. John six forty four. The the verse says, "No one can come." This is Jesus speaking. He says, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day." The Greek word there is dunatai. It means do is not able. You are not able. It's an impossibility to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws. Or I'm sorry, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. Right. The, it sounds like you're saying people can come to Jesus without the Father drawing them in some way. Is that no? How you dude, would... That's the, that's the Trinity. Okay. It's the Holy Spirit. That's so the Holy Spirit the Holy draws Spirit. a person. So so the person who's coming to Jesus is drawn by the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. Okay, but but you don't believe that all who are drawn come, right? Right. But this is but the verse says they do. Jesus says, I will raise them who? The ones that came due to the Father's drawing. He said, I will raise them up at the but last day. He's that going they all to come. It does. It does. It says, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. So there's a negative statement. Right, 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 no one right. can no one come to me unless the Father draws them. Unless, so there is a group of people who are coming to Jesus that are drawn by the Father, and Jesus says, I will raise those who, those who came to me by the Father, drawing. Right. I will raise them up on the last day. It doesn't say that, um, it it doesn't limit his drawing, I I guess is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't, yeah. No. He will. will No, God chooses who he wants to. Huh? See, it's like we're speaking from two different perspectives. You're saying that I'm limiting God because he doesn't draw everyone, and I'm saying you're limiting God, making him draw everyone. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying God is choosing on his own free will who to save for for, for heaven, and not only heaven, for now. Right. Do you think that the two thieves on the cross, do you think there was the same opportunity for both of them? Uh, what do you mean by the same opportunity? For salvation. No, I believe that one was chosen and the other one was left in their sins. So you don't think that if the other one wanted to, that no matter what he said, no matter what he believed, he would have been... No, I don't believe the other one wanted to. That's the, that's, the, that's the problem. I don't believe the other one wanted to. And actually, I don't believe both of them wanted to at the very beginning. And then God took out the heart of stone, as like, in Jesus Ezekiel 36. Like, is the Trinity... Huh? There? Was, he, was the Holy Spirit not working upon... The other thief on the cross was he not in the presence? Not, of the Holy Spirit? not in the way that the other one was. No. 
dude, they no. were hanging side by side. They were both for the same same amount of right, right. But I believe that the Holy Spirit indwelt the one thief, and I or I'm sorry, not indwelt because that's after crucifixion. I believe that the Holy Spirit was working on the person who put their faith in Christ. I believe that they he but was regenerated that at moment, that point. Yes, remember me. He opened his heart and he accepted. The other one had the same opportunity. Yeah. All right, and we'll, we'll, we are going to continue this conversation here in a little bit, actually. You guys can check me out on CompleteCenters.com. Uh, check out Alex on Facebook, Alex, uh, Mount Olive Baptist Church preacher in Pike County, Indiana. We're going to, dis- to continue this discussion on Facebook here in just a little bit. You guys have a good week. We'll see you next time. See ya.